Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 19th of August, 2021, Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. My goodness, it is hot. So hot, I'm late getting out this podcast. But have no fear, we have two back-to-back episodes to release to fill your ears right to the top. We'll start with Mansi, who will tell us of the romance of the personal touch, and then we'll re-listen to a story from a show in 2018 from Chris. Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge sticky hello goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We love you, Hong Kong, even more than we love air conditioning, and we are listening. Thanks go out to our overseas listeners as well, especially listeners in Petaling Jaya in Malaysia, Columbus, Ohio in the USA, and Singapore in Singapore. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our next show will be coming up on September the 30th, and the theme is Same, Same, But Different. Links on how to pitch and more Tell Any Story You Like workshops are up on the website hongkongstories.com and on a meetup. Tickets for the show will be available two weeks before the show starts. If you can't wait until the end of September, though, there's another show that you might want to catch. On Friday, September the 4th, Hong Kong Stories is teaming up with HK Improv, where we'll be taking to the stage to tell short stories that will be seamlessly sewn into the fabric of the improv show by the talented performers. Get your tickets for the Improv Comedy Show, September 2021 edition on zikit.co. That's Z-I-C-K-E-T dot C-O now. A link will be added to the always brief show notes for this episode. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now with the story from our May 2021 show that had the theme Curious, here is Mansi. Where is this relationship going? How many of us have hesitated to ask this question? This story goes back about seven years when I was living in India. I was dating this really nice guy. He was kind, sweet, fun, made me laugh. I was in love. Well, when you're a woman of a certain age in India, you almost always get asked this one question. In fact, my dad was also after me, asking me the most difficult and awkward questions. When are you going to get married? Or, are you sure you want to get married to him? (laughs) I don't understand what it is about fathers. Somehow, no boy is ever good enough in their eyes for you. But I knew where all this pressure and haste was coming from. So you see, my older brother, a star that he is, went and got married at the age of 23. I was way past that age and nowhere close to getting married. Although I was sure about my boyfriend, I knew he was the one. But the question was, did he feel the same? Was he ready to take the next next big step? He had moved temporarily to Bombay for a course and I was living in Hyderabad a couple of hours away by flight. I needed to find out what he felt soon. The pressure at home was really building. I didn't want to talk about all this over the phone and I I couldn't wait until I saw him next. 
so i was somehow more comfortable writing to him about it an email at this point would have been the best option but i decided to go the romantic way i decided to write him an actual letter what a brilliant idea i thought so one evening i sat down to write this letter and i realized how difficult it was to pour your heart out onto a piece of paper somehow after a couple of hours i finished this a not so mushy to the point letter letting him know that i was extremely fond of him and it wouldn't be such a terrible idea for us to continue being together for time to come i was not going to ask him the golden question it was his job after all after a lot of thought i couriered this letter through our mighty dtdc's courier services in india i was told it would take about 4 to 5 days for it to reach him this letter was going to change my life for better or for worse i was yet to find out so i sent it and i waited i patiently waited the next few days were not good they were spent eagerly waiting for his response every time my phone rang i thought it was him letting me know how thrilled he was to have received my letter but that did not happen 10 days went by and i started over analyzing all of our conversations didn't he hang up to soon yesterday he called me only once today the other day in the middle of a work day he messaged me saying he wants to talk and then nothing after that did he receive the letter and does not want to talk about it or wait maybe he didn't receive it i needed to find that out so i called up the customer services and asked them what had happened with my letter the lady told me that they had tried to deliver it but no one was ever home so what i told her was why don't you give me the delivery man's number and i will coordinate the whole thing <laughs> so there is this one thing you should know about me i think i have brilliant memory i think i'm the superwoman of sound memory having said that i memorized the number did not write it down i mean how difficult is it to remember a few digits right i dialed the number the phone rang hello dtdc courier services so this delivery man on the other end asked me yes manu is calling so i told him a package was to be delivered at juhu but uh, it, it, there's nobody at home right now if you go around 5 o'clock it should get delivered the delivery man asked me where the package was coming from so i told him it was coming from hyderabad he paused for a moment and then he told me oh all right i will send my manager home at 5 o'clock and he hung and he hung up i start wondering manager how does a delivery man have a manager <laughs> ah this is none of my business as long as the letter gets delivered it's fine by me so i waited it is past 6:30 now no phone call from my boyfriend either expressing shock or surprise to have received the letter <laughs> this is going to freak him out the only option i had was to call the delivery man again to ask i mean maybe he saw his reaction through the door when he delivered the letter <laughs> so i dialed the number again hello dtdc courier services so this delivery man tells me oh ma'am i sent my manager but no package nobody came with the package did you send him to the right address so 
I tell him, of course I did, but what do you mean nobody came with the package? So the delivery man tells me that his manager has been waiting at the building for two hours and nobody has come with the package. At this point, I start to lose my temper. I tell him, what do you mean nobody has come with the package? You are supposed to have the package. I mean, I'm, I trust you with this letter and all that and then you go losing it. Now the delivery man is confused. So am I. This letter was really important and they couldn't get it delivered. This is so not romantic. I start thinking, where could the letter have gone? And then it dawned on me. I asked him, aren't you the DTDC delivery man? And then it comes crashing down. He says, of course not. I was expecting a package from Hyderabad and I thought you are the one from the courier services wanting to get it delivered to me. <laughs> this was hilarious. Truly, an email would have just done the job. So this strange man who is not the delivery man is confused and then starts asking me what am I talking about. So I explain the situation to him. I tell him that I had noted the number down wrong and I apologize to him. He hangs up. This was so not a good idea. Was this fate sending me a message? Was this not meant to be? The next few days were spent anxiously waiting for my future to change. A couple of evenings later, I get a phone call from my boyfriend. He tells me he has received the letter. And my heart stops for a moment. He is happy, right? He sounds happy. Is he? Maybe he is. I should just ask him. So I ask him, what do you think? Oh, you received it. What, what did you think? He pauses for a second. And I tell you, a second has never felt longer. My heart starts racing. My chest is filled with untold emotions. And this really long second just wouldn't end. And then, very casually, he says, Oh, I thought you knew that I was sure about all this. <laughs> That's a load off my mind. We got married a year later and we've been married for five years now. Thank you. Oh. I thought you knew. Sometimes there's a blip in communication even between the most forthright of couples. We're pleased that Mansi got things sorted out, but I cannot help but to wonder if the guy on the other end of the phone ever really sorted out what was going on. The next story is from a show that was called Happy in 2018. Oh, 2018. We were so naive. We did not appreciate you as you deserved. All that aside, here is another excellent story from Chris. Ten years ago, when Zach and I decided to take the leap and move internationally to the Dominican Republic, we suddenly felt the need to get our lives in order. So we made a to-do list. Prepare the house for renters. Give away most of our worldly belongings 
make a living will, and register as domestic partners. I clearly remember working in the garden when Zach came out and reminded me that we needed to get to the county courthouse. So I threw on a cotton dress and we hopped on our bikes. I wore flowers in my hair and a perfume of sweat and earth. So we moved to the Dominican Republic where we lived for three years and it was a beautiful sunny day and Zach presents me with a Mexican Day of the Dead box. On the box, there is an image of a skeleton man on bended knee before his love, a skeleton woman. As he hands me the box, my heart is racing, and I open the box, and inside lay an enormous ring. We are not talking carrots here. We are talking it was the wrong size and fit (laughs) on my thumb. (laughs) So here it was, a two-big ring in a box of death. (laughs) Will you marry me? (laughs) Of course. For those of you not familiar with the Dominican Republic, it must be noted that subtlety is not a cultural norm. Therefore, available wedding attire is more appropriate for a night out in Lang Kwai Fung than for a simple countryside wedding. So I had just decided to reuse a dress I already had for a formal Christmas party. It was white and flowy, silk, simple, but elegant. We were going to go to New York for the holidays to visit families, and my sister had asked me to bring the dress so she could see it, which really meant she wanted to approve it. So I go to New York and put on the dress, and my sister looks at me skeptically and says, No. Chris, you cannot wear that dress. It's very flowy and big. You and Zach have been together eight years. Everyone's going to think you're pregnant, which I was not. (laughs) My sister was so insistent, and given the fact that Zach and I had waited so long, I decided to heed the advice and not fuel any rumors. So I folded and decided to buy a new dress. So I'm in New York City for a week. Of course, I can find a dress, no problem. I have in my mind a very clear image of a long, antique lace dress, not white. So my fixation leads me to scour every thrift store in New York City, grungy, high-end, where I find nothing. It's my last day in the city, and I'm sitting on my soon-to-be-in-law's couch, and I resign myself to the pregnant look. I turn to Aunt Judy and say, Jude, it doesn't really matter if I look pregnant. It's just a dress. I mean, who really cares? Aunt Judy looks completely distraught, and in true Judy... New Yorker fashion, looks at me and says, fuck that. (laughs) Sorry, Sapphire. (laughs) She's a New Yorker. (laughs) Aunt Judy lives in an apartment on the east side. She's lived in the same apartment for 35 years. And this apartment 
looks more like a modern art installation titled Classy Hoarder Punk than a place to call home. So I'm sitting in the one small open space on the couch when Judy suddenly jumps up and says, oh my fucking God, wait, wait, I completely forgot. And she dashes out of the room. She comes back holding a large garment box and opens the box and inside lay a long antique lace dress. She tells me that the dress belongs to Zach's great-grandmother, Sadie, who family lore holds as the only sane person other than Zach in the family. So I take this as a good omen. The dress is very dated, has a high collar and really poofy sleeves. But Judy insists I take it back to the Dominican Republic to see if I can find someone to fix it. So I take the dress back to the Dominican Republic. A friend says she has the best seamstress and she'll take me to her. So we're driving there and I realize that we are heading straight into the worst neighborhood of all of Santo Domingo, which is no small feat. As we're driving through the streets, my friend begins circling and I start recognizing things. And it becomes very apparent that we're lost. Suddenly, the car stops. And I watch as my friend tries over and over again to restart the car. But it's dead. Within seconds, there are cars, motorbikes, carts, and people swarming our car. It is total chaos. People are screaming, yelling. Music is blaring. Okay, music was always blaring in the Dominican Republic, but you get the idea. It's complete chaos, and the road is clogged, and we're the cause of all this chaos. I'm watching all this happen, and out of the side mirror, I see a taxi cab door open, and out steps a very large, very angry man, and he's wielding a large machete. Not good. <laughs> so this large, aggressive, belligerent man is heading straight towards us with the large knife. Luckily, en route to chopping us to pieces, he encounters another belligerent taxi driver and they occupy each other nicely whilst a street hustler approaches the car to save the day. In addition to working the streets, he is a whiz mechanic and realizes that my friend has forgotten that cars require a thing called gas. So he's off in a flash and returns with a jar, a jar of gas. <laughs> it's the Dominican Republic. And we're out of there. So the seamstress I'm nearly killing myself to get to lives in a small dusty room whose decor consists of a television blasting Dominican soap operas and mounds of clothes piled around an aging sewing machine. I hand over the dress and she promptly rips off the sleeves and the collar. So let's just say I'm a little hesitant to leave this family heirloom with her 
but my options are limited, so I take the leap. Over the next few weeks, the woman comes to my place of work to do the fittings, for obvious reasons. And if you did not know, antique lace and silk are the perfect materials to pull over a sweaty body in the tropics. In the non-air-conditioned bathroom, I shimmy on the dress while sweating profusely into its delicate antique fibers. The experience was somewhat of a rebirthing process, except my life coach was a pushy and rough Dominican grandma. So let's just say it was not healing. The wedding is about two or three weeks away, and on the day, Zach sees me, and his eyes are full of love and a bit of curiosity. He doesn't have to ask. I tell him, it's her great-grandmother Sadie's dress. I save the story of how it came to be for another time, and for now, we're in awe of each other and this moment. When I think back to when we registered as domestic partners, I realize it was so simple. It wasn't overplanned or overthought or perfectly presented. All the chaos and drama and stuff we went through to make our union official, to present it to our family and friends, I realize in that moment it's for naught. We're just who we are. At the wedding, our family and friends sit semicircle and they turn expectantly to welcome us into the fold. And I grab Zach's hand and we walk out together. I wear flowers in my hair and perfume of sweat and earth. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Nous avons, tous et chacun, une histoire à raconter.